You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name is Trent Fleskins, your host. As always, this week, we have an absolute gladiator of the West Australian real estate industry in the room. Every single year, he's up there either winning the award for most properties sold or you know, only a couple of people away. Someone's pipped him just that year. It's Shane Beaumont, now of Realmark. It's a name that most people listening will recognize in Western Australian real estate. Thanks for coming in, mate. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Trent. Thanks for having us. What a career you've already had, eh? It does Yeah, I guess it's been very enjoyable. I've seen a few markets now. Some I like more than others. But yeah, real estate, can honestly say, I can't imagine doing anything else. So I really enjoyed it. And look, I share the same sentiments. Yeah. I wake up every day super excited about what's mm. coming, even if it's super stressful yeah. or things aren't working out. Uh, it's something that's a very fulfilling career. And I, I see the same in your eyes sitting across from you. Yep. Uh, so. You sell 150 to 200 properties a year. On, you know, When you look back yep. every year, you see a lot of the market. Mm. Today, I wanted to have a chat similar to the one we had with Michelle Kerr, but just mm-hmm. a little bit broader yep. about the state of the market, mm-hmm. especially given the fact that a couple of days ago, mm. our state daddy decided that that big February 5 date yep. is going to be pushed out to what I assume is going to be somewhere two, three, four months mm-hmm. later. I've been calling from the hilltops for the last couple of months that mm. this date is going to see a massive insurgence of demand coming yep. through and it becomes more and more obvious every mm. week as we speak to agents about all the investment that's already coming in in anticipation of that. Mm-hmm. That date's changing, but in my eyes, it doesn't change the story. It just adds an extra chapter in between. Uh, yeah, I think it actually gives more than anything local buyers an opportunity to wake up because we've been telling for a while this is happening. Probably because you're not seeing as many people at a home open. So for example, if we have maybe 15 attendees to a home open and I say to our sellers and buyers, forget home open attendees. You don't know how much inquiries come through that week, the amount of video calls that are happening. So we have already seen it take place and we're calling it for probably about six months ago with the other podcasts we do. We could see it already happening. And right now, as I I speak to you now, at least a third of our inquiry uh, is coming from Eastern States based not just investors, but families looking to move over. That's exactly what I'm hearing from other top agents around Perth too. And I'm always asking that question because every time someone says that, I'm trying to really clarify that with the rest of you as well. And it is a theme now, about a third of inquiry and certainly offers that are coming in that are much less biased nearly. They're coming with less information maybe. That's what we're competing with now as buyers is people who look at our state as extreme value without the bias we have on our head of the self-defeating flagellation nearly that we expect to put on ourselves these days. And they're just buying. They're beating us to the punch. So you're so right. You're the first person to tell me that anecdote, I guess, about the home open where on a really hot day, you might only have a couple of people there but there's twice as many people doing a video walkthrough. For an average property from us reaching the marketplace, in the first 48 hours now, we're getting just under 10,000 views. But the phone instantly is basically ringing. Not only have you got your database you're working with, but the people that have missed out on two or three before, I had one that just bought off us and they'd missed out on 11. That's a story I've heard a few times. Yeah, and when it came to buying the property, they were prepared to pay in their eyes over. Self-admitted, I'm paying a bit over. But Shane, we also looked at what this guy paid in 2014 and he only paid this. So in our eyes, it's a second chance for us to get into the market. Unfortunately, not all first home buyers are seeing it that way. They feel the market is heated, which it is. But I believe when I speak to first home buyers around the country looking to move to WA to start their lives, whether that be tradesmen, school teachers, 
Um, they say, Shane, to be within the hour of the city, we're four by two on 700 square meters with a pool for under 500 grand. It's basically a third of what like for like would be in the working class suburbs of Sydney or Melbourne. And that warps realities. It warps yep. perceptions. 100%. But they're, they're real. They're yep. real perceptions yep. Yep. and they're affecting our yep. market, right? And you've got tears. When you're ringing and saying, congratulations, for a while in WA, the tears were from the seller for what they're selling at. Yeah. It's actually now saying, yes, relief secured a property and they're pumped. The kids haven't started school yet. And they know they've got, I guess, a secure job moving to a great lifestyle. So that's pretty exciting. Unfortunately, the people that will suffer are the guys sitting on the sidelines waiting for it to cool because it's been a long time coming. This I call that non-buyer's remorse. People who have remorse from not having bought two years ago. I've got a really close friend of mine who was looking in Mount Hawthorne, for example, two years ago, average house there you might pick up yep. a reno for 900 grand. Now it's 1.2 and he's gone, I've missed it. And now I can't see myself buying anything. And you feel horrible because they certainly had the opportunity two years to do so. So to that conversation, you're seeing this as a second chance for people to wake up and go, mate, you got, it was three weeks, you now maybe got three months. Get on the horse. Yeah. I think I'd rather be owning your property, seeing value increase as opposed to your rent increase. Now, we all know rents will increase. They have. So if you can get in at the moment, uh, even Keystart, for example, when I speak to young people getting into the market that haven't heard of Keystart, and they still do their numbers and it's cheaper for them to buy than rent, it's probably a conversation they didn't realize because they've just been used to a market where it's probably favored the tenant. Now, I really believe if they can get that 2% or 5%, whatever it may be, if they're fortunate enough to have a parent go guarantor, we've had parents buy the property knowing if, because their kid hasn't woken up yet to go, well, if I don't do this, then no chance. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go through this process. Pull the trigger. Pull the trigger because, and sure enough, in three years time, they'll go, well, lucky my mum did that or dad pushed me to do that. You mentioned... 10,000 views on a property. Mm, What was it maybe a year ago or or even and also three years Um, ago? Probably half that. But what the biggest difference between the views or the audience was the ratios. So when I look at during COVID, the first time when we're allowed to work in the lockdown, my ratio from buyer appointment, and I look at numbers a lot, typically would be eight inspections to offer ratio. During COVID, when we made people drive past the property, have you done this? Have you done the visual walkthrough? It basically got to a 50-50 ratio from offer to inspection. So the difference is now the time wasters just aren't making really inquiries because they know there's no chance. The inquiry is high quality it's typically. Yep. Yeah. You're selling 100 and something properties a year, getting close to 200 generally. They're not all in Gosnells. Actually, the numbers say that you sell probably half in Gosnells, half everywhere else, which is just a massive spread. I don't know an agent who sells that many properties in that many suburbs. Yeah. You've obviously seen, and we will speak to this in a suburb spotlight in the future, you've obviously seen some some good growth in Gosnells. And a lot of that's probably just really bringing back some value that is yeah. massive losses over the last few years. But across the rest of the state, obviously I buy across the whole, the whole city. Yeah. You sell across the whole city. Where are you seeing most of the pressure coming in? Um, at the moment, I think if you look at, again, this is after COVID, people looking to get a family home as close to the city as they can before the urban sprawl has taken effect. Whether that be, um, if you look at from the city working back to Cannington, Cannington now backwards, you're getting a lot of units, a lot of apartments. Mm. Um, it's getting harder and harder to find those big quarter acre blocks where people have lifestyle. And that's with COVID, unfortunately, a lot of people wanted that because they couldn't go anywhere. So I think anywhere you can find good family homes, close proximity to the city, I think is is huge. I'm also seeing the recovery of apartments because of the cost of apartments 
simply not enough coming out of the ground now. A lot of them have been shelved. Yeah, supply so has stopped. Yeah, premium suburb areas where you go, well, hang on, I can get an apartment for a million dollars or I can save for a house for four million. It's a no-brainer because you're getting the lifestyle. You're cheating the system. Yeah. But to go to an area where you're getting an apartment for 300 grand where I can still get a house for 400, it's probably where I, I see the, the synergy breakdown where you probably going to get the growth you'd expect. So I think premium properties are going to get really good growth moving forward but the family homes as close as you can be to the city where it hasn't been chopped up and you're not living next to 13 apartments that's right i think a lot of people are after are there any suburbs you're being surprised at in terms of the real value growth and going geez i expected growth but not yeah, this much probably armadale the thing is at the moment when you're hearing growth you need to break it down housing in armadale will be safely 30 percent Land has gone nowhere because of the cost of building and up, and even the villas are probably up, I'd say, 15 to 20%. So Armadale's really surprised me. Gosnell's, I'm surprised it has, the houses have gone up around 20, 23%. The thing that I think I'm quite surprised by is the villas and the smaller properties haven't moved as quickly as I thought they would. But I think that will come because, again, no construction's coming out of the ground. There's it's not one, one unit being built right now mm-hmm. or one complex or group being built out there. And that's purely because what those properties back in 2004 were selling for, a 1,300 square meter block was selling for 550. That got down to 350. So the finished product, until that becomes feasible, they're not going to come out of the ground. So I'm already starting to see those trends change there. That's the issue with the supply demand of West Australian property is that because it takes so long to get something built, you've got that two-year gap yeah. really between where the demand exists and where the supplier comes through. So, And that's where, for everyone listening, and we've spoken to this before, that's where property growth comes from. It's not just one linear extension of growth over years and we, we've all seen that it's not like that it generally comes where demand comes which can happen in the space of a couple of weeks or months it can change but then supply takes two years so in that time frame you see massive growth and then as long as demand sustains you see sustained growth pending affordability with interest rates and then it's when eventually that demand slows down the tap turns off and then supply has still got two years to go where you start to see drops right we're obviously on the front end of that now where we just have not got a building industry for starters that was set up to supply for the demand that's coming in. And that started with the bill grants, which was something that I had an issue with in the first place, but it's there now. And then given costs now on, a, on just a labor basis is continually not going to have a supply level. So we're going to have this huge vacuum, this huge gap, huge gap that you're identifying where a whole bunch of properties started getting built last year, not much is going to start getting built this yep, year. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, and I think if you drive around most of those um, suburbs, new subdivisions, you're going to see pads down. You won't see much else happening just mm-hmm. at the moment because that one of the prerequisites to get that grant money was getting the pad down yeah. in X amount of time. Well, if you look at longer term, uh, a lot of people, they say, oh, yeah, it's a heated market. But I need to use Gosnell's just for example. It's, I think, 1% growth over 10 years. Yeah. Now, some at Cottesloe, there's properties that were going for nine million in Cottesloe that have only just started going for seven again. So it is a long-term thing. But if you're not in the market, you know, sitting on the sidelines, and you're not in there for that moment of growth, so the last 12 months being 20% growth, if you said oh, I'm going to sit out, you don't know when it's going to go. But 2014, there was 600 sales happening in Gosnells because all that development was happening, market was going really strong. The next two years got down to 200 transactions a year. Yeah. So basically a third. That's a third. And transactions yeah. only occur when demand is there. Yeah. Supply yeah. can be there, yeah. but a transaction doesn't happen. until. So what it means is there was a third of the demand for that suburb. I'd like to segue into a point that you've just brought up with regards to places like Cottesloe. It's the wealth gap. 
times like this where there are inflation events wealth gaps open up massively it's capitalism we live in a capitalist world if you own assets in inflation inflation events just like if you owned property in 2004 and held it through to 2007 your assets pretty much doubled in the space of three years if you missed the boat you were too young you got divorced you didn't have money in that three-year period you fell way behind my concern is that when a suburb like Cottesloe makes 20 percent in a year you make five hundred thousand dollars or more Suburb like Armadale makes 20% mm. and you make $50,000. Yeah, yeah. It's a continual opening of that wealth gap, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, 100%. So and that's what I was saying about the people getting into those apartments. Apartments over East got a bit of backlash because maybe the quality, we do it things a bit differently over here. But if you can ride the wave of the best suburb you can afford, I genuinely believe that's... And you, it's got to suit your lifestyle. If you've got seven kids, a two-by-two two is probably not going to suit. But if you can get into the best suburb you can afford for your lifestyle and benefit from that, that's what I'd be suggesting. I've been saying the same thing to my clients for a couple of years now. This is a time if you believe through the data that it is a growing market, most of our lives socioeconomically are defined by the rung on the ladder we jump on first. From then on, we pretty much, most of us move at the same speed up that ladder until we retire. But it's definitely defined by how long you waited to get the muscle to make that biggest jump. And then when the ladder starts rising, you know, without your control, how quickly you just jump on before you miss out completely. And I know that's a, that's a bit of a far stretch with regards to the simile there, but I think it really works in terms of relating that to my friends, my clients, that uh, this is the time if you're going to make that jump, get into the most expensive, best value, highest uh, yep. socioeconomic area you can. Yeah, 100%. It might be your only yep. chance ever. Yep. And I've had friends that haven't done that and clients and I've said, look, as long as you don't think you'll be having this chat again in three years, because whatever reason, and sure enough, that's what's happening. So I mentioned earlier, I've seen different markets. This market at the moment, it's a bit frantic, which I'm fine with, but buyers who aren't ready to go, people ready to transact, what used to be a week in real estate is probably equivalent to seven weeks yeah. when I first started because yep. Saturday morning you had to wait for the paper to see the home opens. Then you'd go look at the front of the real estate office. So people saying, oh, Shane, it's only been a week. Well, in a week, as I said to you, in the first 48 hours, 10,000 views of a property. Yeah. Optus Stadium, you're seeing a property now in the first week and a half. Like you just couldn't do that before. Uh, and a lot of owners get caught. The worst thing I can hear in real estate now is, Shane, but it's only been a week. And we say, guys, it's not how long you've been on the market, it's how long that buyer's been in the market searching. And as I mentioned, that one before missed out on 11 properties. He's the buyer you want. He's refreshing every hour. And when we look at property all the time, obviously it's our job. One property we've put an offer in in, in Morley, it's a, it's a triple X site, it's been on the market for five weeks now. We're the highest offer on this property, the seller's still holding out. Uh, it's an agent that um, I don't think has got a lot of experience. And if they did, they'd be informing the seller that yeah. clearly five weeks is enough time for a development block in Morley uh, yeah. that you've got conditioning there. If no one's put in the offer that you're expecting in five weeks, mm. it ain't coming. Yeah, yeah. So I think also if you look at any suburb now, and data is a really powerful thing, which we didn't have again when I first started, sort of 2006. But there's not a suburb in Perth that if you look at the REA reports, which is what most agents work off, if you look at the first four or five days, it peaks and then it trends out. Um, well, it's like Google. If you're yeah. not on the first page of Google, yeah. you are getting 5% of the yep. views. Yeah. And I think the properties I'm seeing undersold at the moment, and they believe it or not, there are properties being undersold, are the ones that started too high. By the time they realized they were overpriced, either one, they get lucky because the market reaches it, or 
there's no one else. And the shark comes along, or the developer or the savvy investor who's taken emotion out of it and gone, well, here I am. There's no competition. And you can't really drive the price because they're not competing with anyone. Mm. The days of saying we've got multiple offers nine weeks into the campaign, it doesn't happen. No, you know? that's a really good point. And I see that all the time. And you know, it's also in the rental market, it's the same thing. Rental market's a really good example. And you're losing great people who are conditioned to the market, willing to pay X amount, good candidates. And you're sort of saying, well, I'd rather this. Now, would you rather $420 a week from a great family or would you rather three people each subletting to a degree and then one pulls out in six weeks because they've had a falling out with another housemate and all of a sudden, oh, we can only pay 300 a week because he's moved out now. So yeah, these sort of things are happening. Masterclass question here. The listings on realestate.com have changed markedly in the last six months from most people having a price and a range to contact agent expressions of interest, set date sale. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Being a buyer, I've been through this myself recently. It is annoying for the buyer to not have a price, but when you work for the seller, you have to work in the seller's best interest. Now, I give you an example. If you put a property on the market and you were using recent sales evidence of the last 90 days, we're seeing bank bells at the moment come in lower because they can only go off data, not on market conditions. There's right. a big difference. So when I see a, a property that doesn't have a price, if there's a limited supply for that area, let's just use Wembley, for example, the data in eight weeks is so out. So I think when you're having those conversations with a seller, exactly right. Well, it's gone. So yes, 15 Smith Street sold for 1.5, but it's gone now. There's nothing else. So if the next one's at 1.7, guess what? That's what it's worth. Mm. So sometimes by taking price out of it and you're saying to owners, look, I know it's really annoying. And I'll say to the buyers, look, I know it's really annoying. I hate it when I don't have a price. Well, it makes more work for you because everyone's There is so much work. So (laughs) people that are bashing agents, their workload with no price is incredible. Mm. But our job is to get as much interest as possible. And I'll have that conversation. Mr. Smith, thanks for your inquiry. 19 Johnson Street. Look, we thought the property would sit around 1.2, 1.3. In recent times, the market's gone a bit bananas. If you're somewhere in that 1.3 to 1.5 range, come check it out. Are you in that range? Mm. Yes, come along. Because for us to say 1.2 and then it goes for 1.4, they'll say, well, you've bait Avatar. You told me that. Mm. But the prices we're pushing now, there isn't sales evidence there because the market's increasing. Hence why, obviously, in a declining market, you're looking at old data. Sometimes it's out of out of touch. Properties that have sold 12 months ago, I know one in Mosman Park, sold for 1.95. It transacted 12 months later. Nothing changed. The garden was, in, in essence, not as good. Yeah. And it went for 2.45. Where's the data for that? So sometimes by having that, taking the price out of it, letting the market in its own right dictate terms, create that competition, you'll find out very quickly where I see it go really wrong is an area that has a saturation of something. So I would not be putting no price on a Villa in Gosnells, on a three by one in Armadale, because there's enough supply typically that I don't have to call you. I'll just go to the one with the price. In Wembley at the moment, a four by two with a pool on a thousand square meters. If there's 300 buyers and there's two on the market, you've got 150 each to work with. The market will dictate what it's worth. Advice to a young buyer, let's say it's a first home buyer, it's a husband and wife, they're 30 years old, they're both professionals working on the terrace, they've saved up their deposit, they're sophisticated enough people for their age and they are 11 properties down. They've got the money but Shane Bowman won't take them seriously because 
there's someone who's more aggressive or someone who's put an offer in quicker or someone who's just a little bit more savvy with the way that they've bought before. What do you say as advice? Because I get a lot of clients now come through in that situation who go, Trent, I was never going to use a buyer's agent, for example, but we've given up. We just, we can't, no one will take us seriously yeah. and we have had a positive. Yeah. Yeah, so really good example. I think buyers agents in this market, um, as they have been in Sydney for quite some time, are great. They're getting indoors, and I firsthand have had properties where people have come through that aren't even on the market yet because I have really good trust and rapport that that, that buying rep has done their work on the back end to make it worthwhile for my client to let them through earlier. So that's one thing. The qualifying is really good. You're not going to waste your it's time. It's not falling down on finance. That's example. right. You're not going to waste your time. The best advice I say to clients, and, I, and I've firsthand experienced this again, which makes a difference when you are dealing with property and you've been through those emotions, having your wife tell you you should have done this at that time, you should have paid that. The best advice I can give you, if you found out in six weeks' time and it was revealed at, let's just say you're at $1.2 million, and you found out it went for 1.32, would you be disappointed? Well, probably. Oh, why is that? Because we probably would have gone to that. Based on what we're seeing, that's worth that. Mm. Okay, 1.4? No, I wouldn't pay 1.4. So in two months' time, it gets revealed, you'd have no regrets. At that price, there's a price point you go, well, I'm willing to walk away at that level. Take the opposition out. Don't forget, forget about the other offers. Because it's what you're doing. So it's a no regrets mindset is what you say right. is the only yep. way to win at the moment. Yeah. So if you feel, and you, the biggest thing is, oh, what if I paid 30 grand more than the other buyer? Forget about the other buyer. If we get another 10% growth this year, but you're in your suburb and you're going to be there for 10 years because you've been trying to get into that school zone and you've got a three-year-old and you're trying to get into Ross Moyne High School zone. These are long-term lifestyle decisions, not just about money. So take the opposition out of it. It's you against you. Pay a price that if you found out in three to six months, it went for that, would you have regrets? And I don't think there'd be a buyer in Perth right now, myself included, that could say, yes, I wouldn't have paid that bit extra because once this market continues and that momentum goes, it's very hard to play catch up. The, the quicker it goes, the more people buy because it's a great time to buy. That's right. Um, that's not going to be slowing down. Off air, we were talking about what we started this conversation on air today with regards to the border opening, where the world is going to be in Perth, how psychologically we're going to deal with it when it does open. Yeah and whether that affects the fundamentals of the market for a short period of time or it's sort of just superfluous to it. And yes, we are all freaking out about our health and about the way we work, but that doesn't affect the fact that thousands of people are coming and adding adding demand anyway from places that have already dealt with this for the last year anyway. So what are your thoughts there with regards to, let's say it's April, let's say it's May, where we've opened the border, everyone's freaking out, what happens? Well, there's two conversations. There's one for sellers. A lot of sellers, Shane, should we wait until the border's open to sell your property? I don't think you need to do that. The reason I say that is much like whether it be a mining company, if they've just found the world's biggest nickel deposit that's opening in 2027, it's not when the premier goes there and cuts the ribbon and opens, the price goes up. The anticipation of that is what affects share price today. It generally goes up actually in that time before and then it might even settle a little bit afterwards because everyone's already 100%, yeah, Yeah. because the buzz is gone. Um, So I, I think... At the moment, and I mentioned to you again off air, from the 18 properties we sold, I think it was in November, seven of them were Eastern States sight unseen. The next month, I think 13, 14 properties sold. Again, a third sight unseen. So it's already happening. Mm. So don't get caught up to think we'll, we'll go to market. And that's what we saw in Manager years ago with that train line. The flood of property that came to market for two reasons. One, people got what they paid back 
because they were trying to get out of the market. This psychological thing: if I paid four hundred and I get four hundred, I've broken even, which is not the case. All of Perth, yeah, that's right. It's yeah. crazy. So I think if you can get ahead of that curve, because there will be a lot of people come to market. I think trying to cash in on that, but the reality is it's a heated market. Where I see a bit of a concern for local buyers, which is a bit different, is we haven't even met local investors really yet. It's owner occupiers at the moment. Mm. Our eastern states investors have dipped their toe in. They're filling the void. That's right. So. And you know from your experience, imagine what our market's going to be like when investors are back. Well, local we still investors. Have a, a fraction of the international. It's just the early entrance of the international and interstate. And then we have the local, and we still got owner occupied doing what they're doing. And what we haven't even seen in the last couple of years, off the back of the last six years, is anyone upsizing based on increases in values because yeah. we're all just getting our values back. Exactly. Yeah. What yeah. you saw in Sydney and Melbourne, which was really this self prophesizing snowball that will eventually catch on to them if it hasn't already, is the massive amounts of equity they keep creating, doing nothing passively, that then gets rolled into either the bank of mum and dad for a guarantee or that investment, which happened in Perth in that 2012 to 2015 and everyone got caught. We're not in 2012 to 2015. No, no. We're in 2005, yeah. I reckon. Yeah, right I agree. Now. Yeah, yeah. So interesting you say that. When I that. started in 2006, I still remember that the market turned so quickly. At that time, Perth was more expensive than Sydney which is just crazy to think mm, that. Mm. But we had deals falling over in my first year because again, something sold for 550, three months earlier, they'd paid 470. And the banks and the valuers just weren't keeping up. So like you said, I think we're at that curve. Will it be the same intensity? I don't, I don't, do not know because we don't know how we're gonna react obviously with these things that are being thrown around with COVID. I think when COVID, COVID first does get here, and it is going to get here, there might be a bit of shock and awe for the first home buyers and investors that might sit on the sideline because they're either renting or living with mum and dad. Or isolating. Yeah, or isolating, which yeah, is another thing. But what I do know is the Eastern States people, they've lived with it. They're going to continue to buy. And the other people that are continue to buy, if you sold your property in February, you must buy. You're homeless in 60 days. You don't care if Omicron's coming. It could be anything. You have to be back in because you're going to be homeless in 60 days. And you can't rent because can't the market's rent. knackered. Yeah. So entry level, I think, will cool just a bit. And I don't think it will take too long because there's enough interception from the Eastern States guys. My suggestion is if you are looking to go to market and you're getting back to what you paid, I expect the property market to potentially be double digits this year. But your situation needs to be, do I need to sell now? I'm happy to ride this out. You're going to be getting good rents. First home buyers need to get in soon. If you had half a million dollars cash right now to spend. You yep. had to buy a property today. Yep. Where would you buy? I'd be buying anything where the prop, oh, I use an example, Gosnell was just for an example. If you can buy anything on a corner, retain and build, where you can forget about the fact it's retain and build. Just sit on it. Sit on it. So you've got, let's just say, I'm going to give an example of one we've got coming to market. It's and it's going to sell either way, so I'm not trying to <laughs> pump it up. Um, it'll go for around 330. You can keep the home, sell the back block, I wouldn't even look at doing it for five years. Just the intrinsic value behind it. That's yep, what you're talking yep. about. And you're getting for that property at $330, $400 a week. It's paying for itself. Yep. So corner blocks, I think they're easier. The infrastructure is easier. You're not having the... A lot of people get caught out doing the big four or five units, which well, financially... The build risk is the issue. The build the risk, um, the public open space costs, mm-hmm. developer contributions. Those things a lot of people don't know about. The mum and dads typically don't know about yeah. and, and they're they get caught, caught out uh, all yeah. the time. So anything where you can, as a first home buyer, Buy it for your first home somewhere. Not it's going to be forever, but it becomes your first investment property. If it's paying for itself today and you haven't even subdivided it, God knows what a block will be worth in five years' time. 
that's a really good way of looking at it. What if I stepped you up and gave you an extra mil in your pocket? Your pocket's absolutely yep. splurging with cash right now. I don't yep. know how you fit it in. Yeah, now, yeah. You've got 1.5 mil yep. in your pocket. Where are you going? Anything character, Western suburbs. Ugly as you can get, as long as it's got character. Just be the worst house in the best street of the best 100%. suburb you can afford. Yeah, yeah. And just watch it ride. Yeah. I've personally gone through that recently. I missed out on four off market. And you're Shane Beaumont. I, I, and I, was, I think one of them, I was up against three other agents. So it's not even, so even off market, those sort of things are happening. But we paid, well, at the time, I think we got a good buy. We did get bought off market. So I think we got a good buy because we weren't competing with as many people. But we'll be there for 10 years plus. So I'd like to think, whilst you might not pick the bottom of the market, I've picked an area that I know there's going to be demand. I've already experienced that. My wife's happy. So our lifestyle should be good. Um, so anything with character, I think the ones that you probably see come a bit unstuck, regardless of the area, is when they're the the current trend. When you're paying for house. Yeah, when you're paying for house. Whether that be, it's got the new your new elevation. If you go through most subdivisions, you can pick what was in vogue then. Yeah. So the, the character ones just continue to blow me away, some of the prices achieved. They are quite timeless for a reason. Well, that's you're not chasing your tail with them, and Federation was all has always yeah. been on trend. Yeah, yeah. French provincial has yeah. always been on trend. There's always a good buyer for that yeah. type of property. So the maintenance is a bit more, but there, like again, you look in just to say Claremont for example, some of the prices where they've up they've renovated those homes, mm. are just incredible. Some of the results. Look at it of a longer term thing, which is a bit very cliche real estate, but I do think if you can get in now, and again, we sell enough property that. We don't need to pump the tires more of property, but we haven't even seen local investors come back yet because they don't have the equity in their home. So smart buyers now, I would be trying to get into the market. And whilst you might've got it cheaper last year, they talk about barometer and thermometer, it is going to go higher. It is going to be a longer term thing where people look for a bit more security in the market. The share market at the moment, obviously everyone's saying it's a bit heated. It's Poppy. continued to be heated, yeah. but property without a doubt for mums and dads, I think it's a great time to be looking at it. Um, I call it, you miss the early bird tickets to mm, the movie. Yeah. But you're still in the first scene yep. where it's worth sticking around. Yep, yep, 100%. So I can't see it cooling. The demand is phenomenal. I'll get my phone back now. There will be between 30 to 60 emails. Halls, inquiries come through on a variety of properties. Mm. First home buyers, a bit of us. Again, if you are looking to get into the market, it's not going to be your last home. It's your first home. You do need to try and get in there because rents are not going to ease from what we're seeing. Shane Beaumont, one of Perth's top real estate agents for so long now. Thank you so much for giving your time and adding so much value to the listenership. I really look forward to getting all that feedback from those listening all across the country and proudly enough to say across the world these yeah. days as well. Yeah. Perfect. Thanks, Trent. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!